Hi, I'm Kate. I'm an adult child. I am so glad to be here. Uh, so I've picked out some stuff to read. Um, and I'll just, I'll say up front that the, the tools of recovery that I'm focusing on are about talking honestly, um, connecting with my higher power, and going to meetings. So uh, I just wanted to foreground that as my intention, because of course I'm an adult child and I'm worried that like, I'm not gonna do it right, I'm gonna do it wrong, because it can be done wrong. You're grading me, I know this. No, I know that. Okay, so uh, finding focus and a home in ACA. Um, admitting you have internalized your parents' behavior is a brave step toward changing the behavior. However, admitting it happened to me is the discovery process. Discovery is marvelous, but recovery is the focus. We can discover many things from insightful self-help books or from a talk show host, yet our experience shows that we cannot read ourselves into true change, and we cannot watch enough television to find the healing that lasts. We simply become information gatherers, which is a form of control in itself. If we are simply reading about recovery or watching it on television, we still think we can reason out a solution without doing the actual work of recovery. Our experience shows that we cannot recover alone. We need to interact with recovering adult children to practice the principles that bring real results. Moving beyond discovery into recovery is not a complex myth. The desire to recover from the effects of the disease of family dysfunction. With desire comes willingness. With willingness, we are well on our way to recovery. In ACA, we believe recovery takes regular attendance at ACA meetings. We must also work the 12 steps and be willing to talk honestly about what happened to us as we grew up in a dysfunctional home. Recovery takes effort. But many of us believe that recovery takes only half the effort that it took to stay stuck in enabling or controlling behavior. This means we can exert our energy toward recovery and have plenty of strength left over to enjoy the new avenues that open up to us due to a new, due to the ACA way of life. Um, and then I think I also want to just read this other part about bottoming. Bottoming out can vary from person to person. However, the general consensus reveals that the person usually has exhausted all resources lacks self-love and is practicing self-harm. All ACA bottoms have one thing in common, self-abandonment. While our actions can harm others, we ultimately harm ourselves by running from ourselves. We give up on ourselves. We can believe we are not worth saving. Most bottoms are emotionally painful unless the adult child is disassociating from reality. The pain varies due to our ability to switch over to other soothing compulsions. Um, so I wanted to read those two things because that's where my recovery starts. Um, I, I just drove down Santa Monica Boulevard this morning, this afternoon, past a building that a therapist of mine used to have offices in. And it's the building that is also in Los Angeles, the local headquarters of the Betty Ford Center. So I kept going to the Betty Ford website looking for a meeting in those offices that would be my way in because I didn't know where to start. And I, I didn't have what I thought I needed 
uh, in terms of an external sign of like, well, so this is what I'm doing. So I just go to the Betty Ford site and I would look at the list of things that met in those in that space. And I would just sort of be like, geez, I don't know, internet addiction, maybe, but not really spending addiction, maybe food, maybe, but it's just because I can go from one to the next. I can just wear myself out and go to the next thing and go to the next thing. And it's the global pattern that is me not being in recovery. It's the global pattern that's me bottoming out or losing touch with the program and with higher power. So I wanted to start here because this is where I go now. This is what it looks like when I start to get into self-will, when I start to think that like, I don't have to, I don't want to, you can't make me. I get into this very oppositional relationship with sobriety, like it's my parent, my biological parent. Thank you, 10 minutes. Um, And I, I kind of wanted to start by gently, not calling myself out, calling myself back home, that uh, this is a lovable quality of mine. This is a, a survival trait of mine. This is little Kate's brilliance at surviving in a dysfunctional home, that if you took something away from her, she would just find something else. She would stay safe any way she could. So if you took love away from her, she would go to fantasy. If you took fantasy away from her, she would go to food. If you took food away from her, she would go to sleep. Um, She was a fucking genius. She was just a little Navy SEAL kid like extracting comfort and love, what she could get uh, from the environment. Um, And I have so much love for her and her brilliance at navigating that situation. And I just finished um, a bout of COVID. Um, Thankfully, my first bout, thankfully a gentle bout, thankfully a bout that hit an immune system that had been given two vaccines and a booster and I slept and I took care of myself, but I kept away from my husband because I still didn't want to take chances with his health, his health. And I was more or less isolated in my, our bedroom, but it was just mine for the 10 days. And it was the longest I went without touching another person in a very, very, very long time. And it brought up for me how little physical touch there was when I was growing up. And I don't remember when it stopped. If I have to guess, I'll say adolescence or like the onset of adolescence, but I don't really know. Because I didn't know I was missing it because I didn't know I should get it. Um, And there was like a time when I was little where there could be some cuddling and culturally my family does like have comfort with like cuddling and hugging small children. And my mom does really love babies um, because I think she can love them without getting in her head about whether she's doing it right. Um, But there's a, a, I wanna say probably around nine or 10 where I became a kid 
really a full kid. And then I stopped getting hugs and I stopped getting pats and I stopped getting help. And I wasn't allowed to come into my parents' bed and cuddle with them on Saturday mornings with my siblings. And nine to like 21 is a long time to go without regular physical contact. And I have a therapist whom I love very much. She's wonderful. And she has very compassionately brought me into my body so that I can feel the way that my shoulders cave in and I can feel the way that my neck comes down and they can feel that I'm like trying to hold myself. Um, and I'm, I'm working with that in a couple different ways. Um, one is asking my higher power for help with it. Another is that if I start to feel that I can remember that higher power is around me and that makes me want to lift my head up so that like as much of me can be in contact with higher power. Um, and then the other thing I do is I have this bunny rabbit and I can hug another thing. I want to hug myself, but I'm not there yet. So I hug this and this, this bonnie rabbit doesn't have a name. It's not very old. I got it actually in COVID, my, uh, my step group. We couldn't have an inner child party, so we just took the inner child party money and split it up, and we each got ourselves something, and this is what I got. It's very soft. Um, and I, I love the way something opens up inside me when I do this and I can do this thing where I'm holding myself and I'm being held five minutes. Thank you. Five minutes. Um, and I can be with emotions and they don't, they hurt, but they, they don't bite. They don't feel like they're going to stay forever, which has been the thing that always pushes me back into addiction, pushes me away from sobriety, pushes me away from higher power as I'm afraid it's going to hurt. It's going to, it's going to bite into me and it's never going to let go. And I know now that that relationship with emotion is the relationship you get when you're never held and you're never allowed to have an emotion while being held. I, at Christmas this year, I, I fucked up a roast really badly and I was very frustrated with myself. I mean, you can't get another fucking primary roast on Christmas day. You can't, there isn't one to get. So we just had to eat what it was, but I felt that I needed a hug and I asked for one and I cried really hard and then I was ready to go on. And those are, those are my tools right now is just like noticing feelings and trying to remember that if I feel them, they'll pass. And the tools that let me do that, like rabbit, um, like coming to meetings, like listening to shares. Um, I have a notebook that I write to my higher power and I ask my higher power for help staying connected to them during the share. Um, as a connection to my inner child during this share. Um, 
I'm having compassion for myself in the share. Um, I think the last thing I'll say, which is, was sort of written in the margins of this is that the idea that like, if I stop running, I have more energy scares me because I'm used to the people in my dysfunctional family taking, if I have it to spare, if I'm up, then I can be useful. And if I, you know, have energy, I can do this. And I, I'm learning that that's not true, that I don't have to give, I don't have to let people take, it's mine to do with as I see fit, my energy, my rest, my sleep. I caught myself being like really reluctant to talk about feeling better about COVID because I was like, what will happen if people think I'm well? They'll come for me, they'll make me do things. And I sort of caught that happening and, and let it go and just was like, I'm resting. And when I'm done being sick, I can rest still if I want to. Um, and I, I note the way that my family still kind of like wants, they want. Two minutes. Thank you, two minutes. They, they come with needs that they want met, whether they say that out loud or not, that's the message. And right now I'm at a place where I can mostly have compassion for that and don't need to actually fill that need for them at all. Um, and don't feel shame about it either. Don't believe the story that I can only have worth as a person if I'm meeting my parents' needs. Um, so yeah, I think there's never enough time. 15 minutes feels like it's an eternity, but I think those are the things that are front of mind for me right now. And those are the tools that I think are most meaningful to me right now. So it feels like a good place to stop. So I'll stop there. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was so glad to share today.